Welcome to Soul Searching, the Soul Recruitment Podcast, where we tackle all sorts of great topics in the areas of recruitment, job searching, mindset, technology, marketing, culture, and lots more. It's amazing what you'll pick up. Thanks for joining me. Welcome back, everybody. Darren Saul here, your host of Soul Searching, the Soul Recruitment Podcast. Hope everybody's doing fantastically well after Easter. It's episode 41, and it's actually part one of our new tech series, where we're going to be really gearing these towards engineers. And I want to try and give you guys all the tips, tricks, resources, information that you need to flourish in your jobs. So straight off the bat, we've got Ryan O'Connell. How are you doing, Ryan? Hey, hey Darren. How are you doing? Thank you so much for having me. I really do appreciate it. It's uh, going to be, hopefully we'll have some fun. <laughs> my pleasure. We're going to learn a lot and we're going to have a lot of fun. And Ryan is an absolute gun. Ryan is a trainer. He's a Microsoft Azure MVP and trainer. He holds certifications with multiple vendors, such as Apple, Cisco, Citrix, EC Council, just to name a few. Ryan has been working in IT for over 18 years. Apart from his extensive work as a trainer, he works as the IT manager for one of New Zealand's top premium waste organizations. His training sessions have been incredibly well received. And what started as a small local session has grown to become a global phenomenon with a global following. And Ryan trains people from all over the world on how to best use Azure to its full potential. So welcome to the show, Ryan. Thank you, Darren, for those kind words. You make me sound uh, smarter than what I am. <laughs> <laughs> Pleasure. And for everybody out there, we're going to be chatting on a few things in particular today. We're going to be talking about working within your SLAs, tools and resources, and when to escalate. You know, we're going to give you some insight into those three things in particular. And Ryan is a wealth of knowledge in those areas. But before we jump in, Ryan, why don't you kind of tell us a bit about you, your background, why you're so passionate about what you do? Um, initially, when I um, finished school, I didn't do IT. I actually did uh, mechanical engineering. I mean, I'm a qualified fitter and turner by trade. Wow. And originally, I'm from uh, Africa. So obviously, Africa is very big into mining. So when I... Um, uh, left to go and do my apprenticeship. I did my apprenticeship with uh, Rio Tinto Mining. And then I worked for them for a good, you know, five years. And then I worked for uh, another few little engineering companies. And I went into IT in the uh, early uh, 90s wow. uh, with uh, Windows um, 3 and 3.1 and even Windows 2, believe it or not. Wow. And the wow. only reason I moved into IT because... There was more money. I could earn a bit more money than than, than being, you know, a, a fitter and turner. And when I started in IT, there was no um, cloud, as you know. <clears throat> the internet was still using a 56k dial-up modem or 28k dial-up modem. <laughs> so, um, and that was about the extent it went. And then, like I say, with Windows 95, it, you know, as it came out, I started to learn, and and I ended up uh, working for myself, doing uh, a lot of work for a lot of companies. Um, around uh, Zimbabwe, I ran my own business, I did a lot of work for Microsoft yep. and HP. Yep. And uh, in those days, there was no training center. So, excuse me, everything you needed to learn, you either learned the hard way or you had some books. Even then, uh, the material is very limited. Yeah. 
and then you know fast forward today you know um you know i've done a slew of microsoft qualifications right from my mcp right up to my mcse and stuff the old certificates as well as the the, the new certificates I mean, I was looking the other day on my transcript and I've done something like <clears throat> close to 130 Microsoft exams over my oh, career. Oh, Lord. So I was like, oh, oh my word. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, I, you know, working, as you know, guys, in an IT industry, you don't, you can't just be Microsoft certified. Right. You know, I ended up working with VMware when it was still known as GSX yeah. and uh you know, did uh, some of migrations to VMware for companies and went to ESXi, then vSphere. Mm -hmm. uh, and of course, with the security side, um, I did uh, IT uh, EC Council. Not only am I an EC Council certified forensics investigator and ethical hacker, I'm also a trainer. And I trained, uh, you probably would know a company that went out of business in Australia called XCOM Education. Yeah, I do. Uh, I actually trained all the instructors to become EC council yeah, instructors. I remember them when and, I just got in the industry. And, and deliver their training both in New Zealand and uh, Australia. And like I said, then I've worked for bigger organizations. And like I said, technology has come a long way. Now we're in the cloud. I mean, I started with Azure way back when yep. it was still new. Initially, when I did my cloud certifications, I was with AWS because ah. they were the premium, you know, and they still are. They're very, very good. Yeah. But again, companies are um, starting to use both models, but it's not just AWS that's gone to cloud. You know, Azure are in the cloud. A lot of companies are going to Azure because they have Windows servers and they have Microsoft Office. So it just makes sense to go. But also with Azure now um, going to Azure Arc, I can actually manage a server that I have in AWS or Google Cloud within Azure. I don't oh, even need- I've heard of that, Azure Arc. What's Azure, Azure Arc. Arc. What's that? Azure Arc allows you to onboard uh, an on-prem server or a server by another clouding that's been hosted by another cloud provider and manage it all in Azure. I see. So yeah. it's 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 amazing. I've done that for various customers. I've, yeah. I mean, our company that I'm at at the moment, I was responsible for moving them to Office 365, uh, designing the cloud architecture for Azure and moving everybody over into Azure, including uh, using the uh, setting up the Azure virtual desktop environment. I mean, we kind of had a bit of a disagreement with one vendor who was helping because they were saying, oh, you can't run VDI on some clients. Well, guess what? You can. <laughs> and, 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 and it works absolutely uh, perfect. But besides doing that, my previous roles, I've migrated so many companies from on-prem into Azure. Yeah. I've actually uh, supported companies that have both hybrid environments, which means you still have your server infrastructure and you still have, that's all your stuff on-prem and you have stuff in the cloud. So you kind of have the best of, of both. And just for and everybody have, out there, they call that hybrid. Correct, hybrid means having stuff in your office, your own IT equipment in your office, and then having some of that IT equipment hosted in the cloud. And that's where I believe um, the cloud computing is going. We're gonna have a pure hybrid model as uh, things uh, progress down uh, in the next few years and, and many years to come. And I think having a cloud certification is going to be now a staple requirement when you're looking for a role in IT. So we're heading that way. Correct. That's where it's going. So if you can drive Azure, you can drive AWS, you can drive um, Google Cloud, 
you can drive Alibaba Cloud. In case you don't know who Alibaba Cloud is, they're the AWS of China. Yep. They are very, very big. Wow. <clears throat> and um, again, when Microsoft started out, you know, they were at the bottom of the food chain. They're now the second biggest cloud provider in the world. I would have thought Google would have taken that spot, but they dropped the ball. And yeah, yeah Microsoft now and AWS have said, thank you so much, you know, game over. So, so AWS <laughs> is number one, Azure is number two, and then probably Google, Google and, and then Alibaba. And then Alibaba, yes. If you're working in China, Alibaba will be the number one. I mean, you, you do get Azure in China and AWS in China, yeah. but Alibaba is the, the biggest cloud provider there. And they do so all of these cloud providers do certifications yeah. around them. And it's always good to keep abreast with what's going on. And then, like I say, at the end of the day, I'm always learning. I mean, besides uh, doing the cloud certifications, you know, I'm also Cisco certified. So I do a lot of Cisco uh, setups. Um, and managing and configuration, uh, configuration of devices. But I also manage not only our own company's infrastructure, but you know, I have also guys reaching out to me, say, hey, Ryan, help. And then again, sometimes I'm like, I have no idea how this works, or hey, I've hit a hit a brick wall. Who can I call for help? And, and you know, I'll reach out to, to as many people as I know. Hey, how do we fix this? And you know, a lot of them will come back and say, hey, well, yeah, try this or try that. But more importantly, if you ask people for help and they no one can help you, trust me, Google's your best friend. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I just want to touch on something. I mean, you're amazing. Like, how, oh, do thank you, you. how do you keep up to date and with all these new technologies constantly? I mean, you must be constantly studying. Uh, no, believe it or not, I only set one hour an evening for study time. And, and sometimes I might only study twice or three times a week. That's it. Because you need to have time for your family. You also need to have time to um, uh, relax and, I don't know, watch Netflix, play PlayStation yeah, really. or, or Xbox. You know, you can't spend all your time uh, just studying. It's, yeah. again, a lot of the, the training that I do is real hands-on. Yeah. You can go and you can study, excuse my French, you can study your butt off. <laughs> you can go and write the exam yeah. and you can still be as thick as two planks. <clears throat> And the problem we have today is we have so many people in the industry that have got a slew of certifications, but you put them in front of the technologies. Okay, look, can you set up an Azure virtual machine or can you copy this data from here to here? And they don't know how to do that. Yeah. And that's because, um, A, you know, getting hands-on does take a bit of time. You know, it, it's, a, it's something that we all need to learn. So if you can spend... <clears throat> three hours a night watching Netflix every week, you sure as enough can spend one hour a week studying and doing a short little lab, even if it's only for 20 minutes or 30 minutes, you probably think, oh, well, that's not a long time. But then you add it up over the month and it's, it's a long time. And not only that, the more you start learning uh, and getting your hands dirty, the easier the technology comes. And then not only that, when you are driving something new, you'll find that there's not much differences. I'll give you an example. Like if you can't be intuitive, isn't it? After a while, yeah. So you if, have the if, yeah. If you can drive a Cisco switch, you will be pretty comfortable in driving HP Pro Curve. Uh, learning Huawei switching, excuse me, is very similar. So a lot of the there's a lot of similarity across the board on a wide range of technologies. But besides um, learning all of the standard technologies, we know also. Um, 
learn other technologies. Like, you know, if you're on your uh, help desk, you know, you may want to, you may be using uh, software to manage your SLAs and stuff like Jira or yep. uh, SysAid. Or other ticketing engine. engine as well. Yep. So, you know, you learn those technologies as well. You know, I've also uh, certified with um, various other technologies uh, out there. You know, I've done a lot of stuff with like trend micro antivirus mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, stuff as well, but also shadow protect data recovery. So, you know, a lot of the vendors that sell their own software, some of them do specialized training on that. I'm not saying being expert in everything, please understand that a lot of the experience I've gained has been over that 18 or 19 years I've yeah. been in IT. You know, it's just hasn't, it hasn't come overnight. Sure. And yes, you'll make mistakes. Yes, you'll fall down. But you know, the reason we fall down is so we can learn to pick ourselves up. Secondly, I believe that if you train someone amazingly, you train them so that they don't want to leave your organization. But mm -hmm. if they do leave your organization, they can get a job at any company. Train mm -hmm. them well enough so they don't leave. But if they do want to leave, then they can get the job that they're looking for. And again, so that's, you know, and, and I like to have fun as well. So, and I'm also very passionate about helping women into IT, uh, you know, giving them a hand up because we need more engineers and we need more, uh, you know, network architects and solution architects in, in the industry. And again, women bring about diversity, you know, they bring about so many cool things they also have a different way of thinking, a way of uh, approaching uh, problems compared to men. I'm not saying that men are silly, you know, but when you have a team that is diverse and you have a mix of men and women and different races, you will be amazed what they can achieve because, you know, they all uh, have strengths and weaknesses that make that team amazing. And I said, they complement each other very well. So, you know, I love IT, you know, it's changing all the time. Yeah. I've never, you know, never get bored in it. Mm -hmm. And it's a career that, um, that I've touched with, I've managed to, uh, you know, achieve, you know, some really great heights. And more importantly, I, I love it. It's, you know, you know, if you can find your passion, then that's great. Yeah. But yeah, like I say, with IT, you know, you can go into being a tech, or on the service desk like I was, and you could end up being in real senior management where I am at the moment. But I also have the ability to still to do hands-on as well, yeah. because if somebody comes to me as a manager for help, I need to be able to help them the best way I can. If I can't help them, at least I need to be able to find out who can help them and what's the best way to help them yeah. at the end of the day. And then, like I say, there's um, there's a lot of stuff that goes be, you know with management besides being a uh, the technical person, you've got, you know, the paperwork and, and budgets yeah. and things yeah. like that. Oh, okay, well, that's sure. the boring part of IT. Yeah. All the politics. <laughs> yes. All the fun stuff. But yes. actually, you touched on something before. Before we jump into SLAs, you touched on cloud before. I just want to give everybody a little bit of an understanding of maybe the transitionability between cloud environments because, you know, a lot of people are either working on AWS or a lot of people working on Azure at a very high level. Are they quite similar when you can drive one, you can drive the other? Or is it Ab absolutely no. If you can drive one, you can drive the other. The learning curve is very short. I've just trained uh, a bunch of ladies in, in Azure overseas, mm -hmm. and three of them um, have got jobs supporting uh, 
AWS, which is Amazon. Oh, oh my God. And the learning curve, they said to learn the, the, the naming terms was two days and they were up and running. Wow. They said, but if they hadn't had the Azure training, they would have struggled. That's so, right. And the fact is a lot of companies support, uh, you know, like especially if you're talking about your MSPs, you know, they don't just do Azure. You know, they'll have clients that may have Google. They'll have clients that may have Alibaba. They may have clients that have AWS. So, you know, the transition from a, you know, Amazon, AWS to Google, like I say, it's very, very easy. They're very similar. You can drive one. You will be very, you'll be able to drive the other one in a very, very short time with a very, very short learning curve. Okay, that's great. That's really good to know because a lot of people might be thinking, oh, I've just spent a lot of money and a lot of time focusing on one. I'm a bit scared to go out of the box, but you know, it's good to know that it's going to be that easy to transition. I mean, it is. And also to add value to what, what you've just said, and this is so true as well, Darren, you know, people say, well, I've spent all this money learning AWS or Azure. Mm-hmm. Now, the jobs that you know, some companies are asking that, that I know AWS because, you know, I've done Azure, but I don't know AWS, I'm scared. Don't be, you know, if you can get multi-cloud certified, it will add so much value to you. You don't have to be an expert in it. Having those fundamental foundations is more than enough to get you up and running. And of course, when you're in the job, you'll learn to drive it. Other people will will show and share the knowledge with you. But at least when you go in, um, like I say, within a day or two, you'll be up and running. And you're like, okay, well, this is easy. This makes sense. For example, um, Azure call, you know, your virtual machines, virtual machines. But in AWS, it's called an EC2 instance. Our storage in Azure is called Blob. In uh, AWS, it's called S3. So just knowing the the, the naming conventions. It's more about the terminology than anything else. Yes, it's, it's more about the terminology because once you start driving, you're like, oh, this is the same. That's the same. Oh, okay, now I know how this works. Yeah, and, and the learning curve, like I say, is, is very, very tiny. In some cases, a day or two. In worst case scenario, maybe a week. Okay. But yeah, I've had people up and running within two days. Oh, okay, this is not too bad. You know, I do a little bit of work in photography, and I use Nikon. And someone else would have a Canon, and it'll take me, you know, a couple of minutes to work out how to drive the Canon. But if you understand one, you understand the other. So I can understand where you're coming from. It's Absolutely. <laughs> so Ryan, I'd love to get a little bit more into SLAs to start off with. Right. I've got to make this podcast episode up into three parts. Tell us, you know, obviously SLAs, everybody knows if you're working in IT, you know what an SLA is, you know they're important. But tell us a bit more about, in your insight, your experience, why they're so important. Okay, well, SLAs are important because they allow you to hold your service provider accountable for the exact type of service you expect. And these services are, are agreed upon. And if they're not met, you, uh, you know, you can mitigate some of these impacts by making your service provider compensate you for those losses. Also, service providers also prefer SLAs because they go a long way in retaining your customers. If your service provider fails to meet those obligations, there can be consequences for your organization. For example, the biggest consequence for your organization when an SLA is not met is not so much the financial penalty, it's the reputation. No, the reputation is important, but of course, the bottom line for finance people is important because you lose a customer, therefore revenue goes out the door. But also the importance of having an SLA, in my opinion, provides peace of mind to the client. Having a contact who you can easily refer to allows for greater accountability 
both for the client and the provider's relationship. So in other words, if you phone somebody, you know I'm going to have an engineer that has that skills. That uh, MSPs will have a broad range of engineers. So for example, you may have, have an issue and you get hold of your uh, uh, service desk. That engineer doesn't know how to fix it. Don't worry, it's not going to stop there. It's not your problem. He will then escalate that to the next person to give you that support. So again, the most important thing with, with SLA is like I say, it, you know, it holds, uh, you can hold the provider accountable. The same goes for the client as well. Of course, SLAs, you have a, an expectation where you will say, I need A, B, and C done. And the provider will make sure A, B, and C done. If A, uh, a B, and C is not done, then your company can ask for credits. Yeah. And therefore, you know, at the end of the day, uh, hold that uh, service provider uh, accountable. But more importantly, like I say, it provides peace of mind. You know, as a manage, uh, as management or the directors of the company will be able to sleep at night saying, well, yeah, our IT has issues. If we have uh, problems, then we know we've got a second call because, you know, I've worked with companies where we have your on-prem IT guys, yep. but they also work with uh, MSPs as well because your IT guys don't know everything. And, you know, they can always bounce you know, contact that MSP, you know, if they have a contract with them. Yeah. And then, you know, you can share accountability. And again, it provides a good relationship. But like I say, uh, SLAs are important at the end of the day for making sure that your uh, needs are met, you know, on time. And, you know, stuff happens when it happens. Therefore, mitigating the impact that your organization has when things go down. I'll give you an example. If we have issues, and this is a real world example, if we have an issue at our company and our servers go down, we are talking about losing tens of thousands of dollars an hour or a minute. Wow. You know, tens of thousands of dollars because you're so big. Yeah. I'll give you an example. One other company that I worked with in the United States, uh, if a server went down, it's $100,000 a minute while that server's down. Oh my God, that's so you can understand why SLAs are so crucial and so important. But more importantly, you know, um, as engineers that are supporting IT equipment, we need to have peace of mind. And the only way you can have that is by having that SLA. And like I said, there are a lot of MSPs out there uh, that have SLA. So when you find your managers riding you, oh, mm -hmm. the, you know, we didn't meet our SLA then you know you need to go back and have a look at the skill sets on your desk you know uh, why didn't you meet it and slas are a good measuring tool for both you and the customer as well and it helps you both improve things but more importantly like i say it goes a long way to retain customers that's awesome and in general would you say that you know people meet their slas to 100% or to 90% or to 70%? What's the general rule of thumb? I would say, that, you know, the general rule of thumb from, from where I've been working all the time I've worked in the industry, you know, no one ever meets an SLA 100%. Yeah. <laughs> it's impossible, even 90%. It's yeah, just yeah. really hard. So, you know, I would say if you're getting anywhere between the, the 80, you know, 80% and up, which you can meet quite easily, if you have the right skill set, if you have the right skill set, and I'm saying this twice, you can 
meet 95 to uh, to 98% of your targets quite easily. Gotcha. I know because I went into a very big organization, something similar to like Vodafone, you know, where they have a service desk uh -huh. and um, they were doing terrible, really terrible. And um, I trained one uh, team of 150 people and because they were just missing SLAs left, right and center. It was terrible. And their SLA, uh, which was averaging, which is frightening, which was averaging around 50 to 40%. Yeah. And then I just escalate stuff oh, to the second level. Oh. And I did, uh, a, I developed a training course for them, find out what they did. And they, uh, they managed to, to um, after a few months of training, um, their levels changed. They went to 98% first resolution uh, resolvement. And how did you, did you, did you actually move people around in terms of their function? Correct, correct. I moved people around. I went and sat uh, with the, uh, the service desk manager and the team leader. Show me what you guys are doing. Yeah. Let me be part of your team. I want to see what everybody does. I'm not here to judge you. I'm not here to point fingers. We want to make you better, but I can't make you better from sitting on the outside. I need to be in the inside. I need to see what it is you're doing. I need to see how your team functions. I need to see, you know, the relationship the manager has with the team. How does he talk to the team? You know, what is, you know, how do they handle stuff over the phone? Because trust me, being a, a, on the service desk is really stressful because you do get clients, excuse my French, you are asses when they phone and they really abuse you guys terribly. Oh, I know I've been down yep. that road. So <laughs> again, it's also training the guys. This is how you deal with abuse. This is how you calm the customer down. Okay, you can't fix it, but what can you do to assure the customer that their job's going to be fixed? So it's working with them on a wide range of things and shifting people around. Okay, you better to suit it here. You better to, you know, over here. And let me tell you, it was like night and day. Mm -hmm. And it got to a stage where second, uh, where there were, um, there was no need for a second level support team because they yeah. could do it. So they, so we actually got rid of second level guys uh, and teams, and just ended up having a first and a third level because mm -hmm. the first level uh, team were able to escalate, like I say, resolve ninety eight percent of of the problems. The reason that that second team is because it would go to them and then those guys would then, you know, they'll get on it and then if they don't know, they'll escalate it up. So there's a lot of stuff that um, people know. Uh, they just lack the, the knowledge. I mean, yes, SLAs are, are important in terms of, you know, having, meeting those expectations. When you have an SLA, it can sometimes create unrealistic expectations. And the risk is... Uh, it can damage that relationship when that SLA is not met. And, you know, when you have a look at the metrics, because your service desk manager or your uh, service center manager has to produce these metrics to the customer or to the directors or to senior management, hey, you know, we're doing, we're doing well or we're not doing well. One of the downsides I found to SLAs, they can be difficult to monitor. And the lack of knowledge may create a flawed agreement if you're trying to set up an agreement with the customer. I mean, SLAs require a detailed knowledge of the supplier's capability and the automotive market. I mean, there's stuff that you want to do in the SLAs that if you can automate it, that's even better because then yeah. your team can get more stuff done. Which clients can uh, possess automation? Which clients can't? Which software can you do to help you 
automate the process. Mm -hmm. So definitely, uh, yes, you you know. And there's definitely a lot of talk now around automation. Obviously, you know, automation is becoming more and more popular, and uh, a lot of MSPs are going to start using more automation as well. Um, and uh, we're actually going to do another episode very very soon on just automation. But really appreciate that, Ryan. And, you know, it's a really great in-depth uh, journey into SLAs. And for anybody who's new to the industry, SLA stands for Service Level Agreement, just so you know. I mean, so, I mean, absolutely, you're right, Darren. And like I say, you touched earlier on about the tools and resources, you know. When you don't know something, you know, what do you do? Do you say, do you do? like, well, I don't know. Um, well, I don't want to ask him next door because... I've just had an argument with him. He's not talking to me today. And this is the, the thing. This is what happens on, you know, in the real world. So first of all, you know, Google's your best friend. You know, you can use tools like IP scanner and CMD commands to help you. You can ask the customer to explain to you in detail what the what issue is he or she having. You can use TeamViewer to remote access to the customer's device to assist them. Now, the customer doesn't have to download the full version of TeamViewer. TeamViewer have a web version where you can direct them to a website. They can log on. It will give them a temporary uh, ID and password that will change the moment they, they log off. And then the customer can actually see what you're doing on their screen. Their screen doesn't go black. You know, he has that piece of mind. Okay, I can see what you're doing. So, yeah, you can fix my computer. Yeah. You can also help by creating your own knowledge base in your organization and putting links into tools or web, uh, uh, web uh, sites that have uh, stuff to your knowledge base that you can say to the customer, go to this link and try this. This should be able to help you. Also, of course, having a wide knowledge base and a wide range of issues documented helps you. So, you know, to try and have those tools is important. Also, take time to upskill your own knowledge and research issues that you may need to resolve in the future for future reference. Again, learning how to use Google properly. Like if I had to type in something Google, you just type in Google search Darren, <laughs> where, you know, if I said site Darren.saw, you know, or, or Darren, you know, all these things will help. And then hopefully like say in a future podcast, we'll actually do some live demos awesome. where you can see, how to use Google properly using, because uh, Google has a lot of cool uh, stuff built into it that helps you to search. If I ask you to search for something in Google, most people just open up a web browser and type in, okay, I want to search for a laptop, they'll type in laptop. Where I could go and type <laughs> site, uh, Dick Smith, colon, laptop, you know, or Samsung. And I'll, go and I'll go straight there and it'll give me all the list of the Samsung. Now go one step further, and I could type in another command and work on pricing. Oh, wow. And if I wanted stuff in PDF, I could do the .pdf uh, quotation there, and that would give me everything in a PDF document. So it's not just about searching for stuff you like, but also searching for, for fixes out there as well. But again, building your own knowledge base and taking the time to upscale, because some people will... And I've come across this there on the service desk. How long have you been here? Oh, I've been here for three years and this job sucks. Yeah. I'm like, well, the reason it sucks is because you're not taking the time to upskill. If you upskill, you can move from level one to level two Definitely. or level three or go into networking. But no one's going to take you into those teams 
if you don't want to upskill. Now, working on the service desk is really crucial in my opinion. It's probably the best place you can start in IT because A, it's going to teach you to deal with difficult customers. Definitely. B, it's going to give you an understanding of how to troubleshoot and why uh, you need to troubleshoot stuff very quickly. I mean, at, at, at the end of the day, you know, if you are stuck, you need to stop. I mean, what Darren just said earlier on, you know, sometimes it's tricky. When do I know to escalate? Hmm. How do I know when to call this engineer? How do I know how to do this? Well, rule of thumb, if you are still struggling after 15 minutes, ask for help. Beautiful. If you are unsure of the issue and you cannot resolve it or do not have the permissions to resolve it, escalate it immediately. So for example, someone may phone you and say, hey, um, Ryan, I need to install Adobe uh, Photoshop on my PC, but I can't. And Straight away, you do not have the permissions to do that. Exactly. So you escalate it to the next level. Don't even try and install it because it's not going to work. Yep. So again, you need to know, again, with your thing. Normally what I do is with people on the service desk, I give them a little laminated sheet with some little tips like, you know, what to do. And, you know, if a customer phones, uh, okay, you cannot install software. You cannot fix network issues. So escalate it straight away. Don't waste the customer's time. Say to the customer, okay, I'm going to put you on hold, but I'm going to give you a link so you can have a look at this. I mean, the customer may not be happy that you haven't fixed the, the issue, but he will be so grateful that you are forwarding him on to someone. Again, if the customer is not happy and requests to talk to your supervisor or manager, go and grab your supervisor and manager and say, customer's not happy, have a chat to him. Because when, when a customer phones and he's grumpy, he's going to lash out lash out at you because you're the, you're the first port of call. You may not have created the issue. Now, this goes back to step one. If you've trained your service desk correctly, then they don't take things too personal. And when people take things personally, you know, um, that's right. Why, why am I doing this job? I don't want to do this. Not an attack on you. It's yeah. just a, they're just venting. So you just have to be that correct. And, uh, and you have to let them vent and then try and turn it around. Correct. And you have two types of escalations. We have the hierarchical ex, uh, escalation when an incident is passed to a team or a person based on their experience or seniority within the organization. And I'll say that slowly. We have the hierarchical uh, escalation. So when an incident, you can't fix it, you're passing that incident on to a person based on their experience level uh -huh. or someone a bit senior in the organization. Then we have a functional escalation where the incident is passed to the team best equipped to, to resolve the issue. So a good they have the skills and knowledge, not seniority. I don't give it to the manager. Okay. So you need to understand what is a hierarchical ex escalation and what is a functional escalation. Once your team understand that, they escalate it to the right person because it goes to the engineer like, that's not my job. Send it down to this guy. So now the person's on the phone and you're going round and round the, the mulberry bush. So you know? <laughs> if you don't have access, that's a functional escalation because you can't, you can't fix it. Correct. You don't have so access. Pass it on with someone with, with, with the knowledge. You have a customer that's uh, uh, grumpy. You can now then pass that on to someone in your level, into your organization that has a senior, like your manager or service desk leader, and he'll calm the customer down and talk to the customer. So okay. understanding those two basic types of things are really uh, important. Again, how do I work in, in my 
environment in, in the real world? How do I assist my own team, my own staff in terms of managing our infrastructure? Because I manage all of our in infrastructure. Uh, most of it is all done internally. But still, I have a service desk or a, a IT team. So, you know, we have a list of daily checks that you go through. The same on your ticketing system. You'll go see what tickets have I closed, what tickets are open, what tickets are, are resolved, what tickets are pending, you know, and having tools like Jira and SysAid and Manage Engine, just to name a few, or Enable, will tell you, okay, well, I didn't resolve this ticket. This ticket's been here for two days. Yeah. nothing's happening. Okay, I need to email the customer just to let them know that his problem's a bit more complicated than what it is. And then I need to then re-escalate it to someone say, hey, it's two days. What's going on? Why isn't this? It wouldn't have been a high priority ticket if it was two days, would it? Oh, you'll be surprised. I've come across high priority tickets that have been sitting there for three, four days. <laughs> and it's marked urgent. Oh my and God. then some people will just go and close the ticket because it looks good. I closed all these tickets. <laughs> and then the ticket gets reopened again because oh, they yeah. didn't do the job properly. So again, managing the, my part of my job in our ticketing system is not only do I manage the ticket, ticket system, I track every single IT request and job. Yeah. I then decide who has different permissions and who do I assign that job and what are their priorities so that we can bring that ticket down. I mean, I close, you know, huge amounts of tickets every day, thousands of tickets a year. And I very rarely um, had to come back and do the same job twice. And that's because it's done correctly from the beginning and I know what to do. I also do reporting on that because I've got to sit with our company directors um, and say, right, this is how we've done. But also having a ticketing system does a number of things for you. First of all, it allows you to track changes. Don't think the ticketing system is there to police you. Yes, it's there to help you and chivy you and give you a little bit of a kick up the butt to say, come on, you need to get this done. But at the same time, if, a, if we are getting, say, 10 tickets related to email, mm -hmm. as a manager, okay, do we have an exchange problem? Is there an issue with that particular um, box? Why are we getting so many things? Well, hang on, is it a... Is it all from the same person? Okay, we've got a, a user problem here, not a, an IT problem, because everyone will blame IT. Oh, those people in IT, they steal all the budget, they take up all the money, and they do nothing. And, yeah. you know, and people will always complain about IT. So making sure you can report and say, look, these are the issues. Also, reporting also will give you the tools to say to Senior management, I need to hire more staff. Exactly. I, this is why I need a budget to train Bill, Bob, Darren, and Ryan. Hi, guys. Just a quick message. I'm always looking for engineers of all levels in the managed services space right across Australia. Support engineers, systems engineers, network engineers, and solutions consultants. I only work with the best. Companies that are going places, really value their staff, have great techs, and offer stacks of training and other benefits. Up to $1,000 for successful referrals, who do you know? Please buzz me on 0414-659-800 to chat further. But right now, back to the conversation. So that they have the skills to do that. And these are the advantages of training Bill, Bob and Darren. Well, we need to upgrade some technology or buy some well, yeah, Correct. Or whatever. 
So besides that, you know, besides that, I'm also responsible for ordering all IT equipment, assigning IT equipment, tracking it. We have yeah. people on the road. I record and decommission old equipment. I retrieve and do data forensics and backups. And so people have lost data, you know, whether it's in the cloud or within. I mean, Azure also sometimes falls over. So does AWS. You know, so, you know, there's a lot of things that, that come into place. I'm also responsible for the designing, the upgrades, the migrations, data recovery, and future-proofing our systems. You know, this is where we are now, but where are we going to be in the next three years or five years? Yeah. I also manage all the IT subcontractors, IT budgets, and everything around it. So there's a lot of stuff that I do, and I manage to do all of my work pretty well in and get a lot of stuff accomplished during the day. And the reason I do that is because I have my priorities in place. I don't um, waste time where I don't need to waste time. Yeah. Again, if I'm you know, not up to par on something, okay, I need to train on something. Let me go away and, and learn this. Or, hey, we need to move away from this ticketing system to this ticketing system. For example, you may be on Freshdesk, which is a free ticketing system but it doesn't give you the functionality that a paid uh, system does. Having an open source system is nice, but then the support is terrible. So it's better to buy a product that's recognized in the industry like Sysaid or Enable or, you know, there's uh, Jira. And I can go through, say, okay, well, I now need to train my team on this new ticketing system. Yes, it's going to be a change, but it's going to help us to deliver better results to our customers. It'll help us to search for things in our knowledge base a, a, a lot quicker and a lot easier. So, a quick question, Ryan, a good yeah. one actually. Um, it's probably very simple to transition from ticketing system to ticketing system as well, isn't it? It, it depends, you know, because remember you've got all uh, data in certain ticketing systems. So you need to export all that data out to bring it into your new ticketing systems. And this is where your IT manager and other IT teams come, in, come into play. This is talking to your vendor. Okay, I've got stuff in this thing. Can I imported across. So there's all this stuff that comes into play when you're choosing a, a, a ticketing system. But again, answering your question, um, if you can drive one, the other ones are pretty, they all pretty follow a standard. You know, you're like, okay, well, okay, this is where I go to, to raise the tickets, where I go to close the ticket. Okay. okay, so this is where I go to contact the customer. And again, having a good um, service center uh, in place yeah. and documenting everything is really crucial. But you as an engineer, hopefully having a better understanding of why your company has these SLAs in place will help you to understand also where your manager's coming from. Because sometimes you will just say, he or she's just whining and complaining all the time. You know, I've done so many tickets. What's the big deal? You know, I've closed the ticket. Well, the big deal is it has an impact on, on, the, on the company. The yeah. customer will be whinging, but you won't hear about it. But your manager will get it from, you know, up here, man, he'll, you know, and again, as they say, you know, stuff flows downhill, you know, when, 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 when things go bump. So again, um, I'm not saying that you need to resolve every single ticket, you know, but understanding why companies have those SLAs in place. Yeah. And respect your SLAs, I like that. Correct. Respect, we, your know, re respect them and understand what they have and what it is that they're doing. I mean, if you're on an engineer and you're supporting cloud yeah okay so you need to okay well i'm supporting cloud computing for, for my customer what do i know about cloud well yeah cloud azure google whatever no take the time to learn what your customer has mm -hmm. and also 
you may be supporting stuff where they don't have cloud. They might just have a Windows server. Okay, what version are they running? Are they running server 2012? Are they running Windows 10, Windows 11? Believe it or not, I kid you not. <laughs> the other day I came across a machine, Windows 98. <laughs> wow. I kid you not. <laughs> wow. That's and great. I was like, this needs to be taken off the uh, network oh and segregated. God. Why is it still there? Oh, because it, it, it runs this certain piece of software on, or why isn't it migrated on? Well, it works, so. It's still running. We haven't, <laughs> we haven't you know, been bothered to do it. And we're like, well, no, that needs to be changed. That needs to move oh, yeah. away. I mean, I've come across companies, believe it or not, running Windows 2003 servers. And you're like, guys, you need to upgrade and move over. This is a risk yeah. to your organization. Oh, we've got antivirus and we've got a firewall. Yeah, that's not good enough in today's industry. You know, having an understanding of um, your customer's environment will help you better support your customer. So if your customer is running Windows 10, are they running thin clients? Are you supporting them in the cloud? What type of printers do they have? You know, get to know some of the people's names at that company. Trust me. If I get to know Darren and Darren calls, hey, Darren, how are you? Um, first of all, it's like, well, you've taken the time to know my name. I'm going to build a better rapport with you. I'm not saying know everybody's name. It's impossible. But get to know a few people that you work with. Hey, what's your name? How do you do? So when they call you, you'll find not only do they have a few things that they want to talk to you, but at the same time, you know, um, you can talk to them about stuff. Another thing is you don't want to be spending too much time on the phone because, yeah. you know, you've got to fix that within a certain time and sometimes you say to yourself well how do i um tell the customer nicely okay i need to go <laughs> well you, you've got to do that in a way for example if a customer doesn't want to go you say look sorry i've got another call waiting it's quite urgent but i look forward to catching up with you um next time you have a great week and i really do need to go and you cut that call nice. you know some people are oh well you know they wanted to chat well that's not an excuse you know you need to know when to end the conversation and pass it on straight away so that uh, your company can uh, assign a, the right engineer to that issue so that issue can be resolved so that SLA can at least be met or at least be attended to. I mean, a lot of customers are pretty flexible when it comes to uh, SLAs being missed if you've got a good reason and you're working with them and you maintain them. I mean, but if SLAs are being missed continuously then it becomes a problem then you need to go back and like i said i found 90 percent of the problems with slas go back to the service desk go back to companies getting agreements that they don't really understand what what agreement they have and then now they've got to fix this and it's like well we don't have the resource to fix this or or i can't fix this or hey we'll now get the farm this out to another company to fix it but we won't tell the customer that we found that out to another company so Again, upskilling and understanding why uh, SLAs are in place, why we need them. It also yeah. will help your company to, to grow. And again, more importantly, you know, you as an engineer, you are the one that's benefiting tremendously. Yes, the company's getting money out of it, but you are the one that's benefiting. And if the company sees that you are taking the time to do your job well, not perfect. Nobody can be perfect. You're going to make mistakes, and yes, you'll fall down. But if you can do your job competently, someone will realize well, this person's got skills. 
hey man, you've got skills. We can move you to the so, next yeah. the, the next level. Or you might apply for another role in a company and they know you. Again, if you are on a service desk and you're wanting to move to the, the network team, get to know the network guys, talk to them. Okay. You know, get to you know, build okay, a relationship. And it's the same with your customer. If you build a relationship with your customer, it'll be easier for you to calm the customer down. You can meet your SLAs. If you're not meeting your SLAs, you need to have a look at your service desk. You need to have a look what type of agreements you have in place. And you need to say, okay, well, the first thing we need to do is we need to upskill our team. And how do we upskill our team without having to spend trillions of dollars? You know, so there, there's many ways to do that. A lot of training can now be, you know, delivered um, remotely via Zoom or video-based training courses okay. that, that you, you can get. And again, it's doing training that's going to help you in your job. There's no good saying, well, I'm going to learn Azure and you're not supporting Azure. You're doing Active Directory. Well, go learn Active Directory. Oh, yeah, no, well, I want to learn Active Directory. Well, no, you're actually supporting Azure. So learn a little bit about Azure. So at least you can explain to the customer, hey, I've got this issue. I'm escalating it because it's beyond my um, ability to resolve the issue. It doesn't mean you're incompetent. Okay. It doesn't mean you're stupid. It doesn't mean you don't know what you're doing. If anything, it's going to come across, well, I've come across someone that's taking ownership of my problem, which is what companies want. And he's escalating it to someone that can fix it. And again, Everything's an opportunity to learn. Everything's Correct. an opportunity to upskill and develop further. Correct. Everything's a, a, an opportunity to learn. And like I say, at the end of the day, having those SLAs are really important. Knowing the, the tools that you can use to troubleshoot issues with. You know, like I say, we'll do some more podcasts with Darren where we'll say, okay, well, let's have a look at SysA. Let's have a look at some of these different ticketing systems. How do we raise a ticket? How do we close a ticket? You may have these uh, things in place, but if you don't, at least you get familiar with a ticketing system and understand why it's there at the end of the day. But again, like I said, ticketing system tells you what jobs are closed and what jobs are open and what jobs are pending. And that all has an impact on that service level agreement because you've said, hey, that service level agreement, I have said, I'm going to resolve that issue in this amount of time. Most companies, uh, uh, some companies in New Zealand say, okay, well, we've got an SLA of four hours to resolve your issue. And then, you know, you can go two hours, one hour, and then 10 minutes, depending on what it is. And Microsoft do the same. Yeah. Uh, you know, you have some people who said, well, I've raised this ticket and it has been sorted out. Well, yes, the agreement that you have with us, we've still got two hours to fix it. We don't have to fix it right now. <laughs> I mean, but you don't say that to the customer. You know, you try and say, well, look, it is in the queue and I'll do what I can to push it up for you because you will have other tickets to come in. Because remember, every time customers phoning you, you, you're fixing stuff. So you are trying to not only create and resolve. That's why it's important that you try to resolve that ticket on the first go yep. or escalate it out of your, your SLA to someone else's SLA. Very good, very good. And so, I, kind of, I want to bring up one point as well you touched on earlier was uh, documentation. Yes. Like a, a lot of, you know, there are probably still a lot of companies out there, it's getting much better these days, that everything is being documented properly, there's a knowledge base, but sometimes you get engineers that have all the knowledge in their head because they've been with the company for 20 years, and if that person's not there, nobody can do anything. Absolutely. And you fit the nail on the head. That happened to the organization. I uh, That's happened to a lot of organizations that I've done work for. First of all, uh, there's a lot of reason behind that. 
one, people think, well, if I document stuff, I'm not so important because I don't know everything. I make redundant so I'm going to make myself redundant, which is not, which is not the case. Yeah. The second reason we need to have documentation is you may get sick. Somebody else needs to come in and fix stuff. You've got a, a knowledge base to refer to. And thirdly, it takes time to document stuff and document it correctly. I've come across documentations where a whole lot of steps have been missed. Yeah. And you go, well, it doesn't work. What the <laughs> hell? Yeah. You know, excuse my French. You know, this is just terrible. Yeah. And again, it's documenting stuff correctly, you know, having screenshots, making it the document simple so that the next person can understand it. When you start using long words and long terms and complex screenshots, people are going to sit there and go, well, that's too long. And again, if a to fix a, a document, uh, to fix something might only take two minutes, but your document's like a 10 minute read. Well, yeah. I'm not yeah. going to be reading something for 10 minutes. So I'm I kind of have a thing like I call quick fixes, yep. where it's just two or three lines in a picture. That's and step one, step two, step three, done. Gotcha. And it's out the way. So what there about are video. Do people use little videos? Yes. I have, videos now for yes uh, yeah. In our knowledge base, I've built our knowledge base like I say, that has videos and stuff. And yeah. our internal help desk uh, resolution is a 98% first call. Incredible. 98%. And that's because they've got the right stuff. And again, it's documented properly. I've got a networking issue. They can click on networking. Okay, the customer will say, I can't connect to internet. They can click on the next link underneath networking, internet. And there'll be a whole lot of, oh, my router's not working. Well, I've got no internet. They can click on it and they can see very quickly what they need to do yeah. then they can say the customer okay well let me try this on this okay that's fine i mean i had one customer believe it or not phone me said my computer's not working it's all set up exactly in the box and i kid you not this is a true story <laughs> and i said okay um are you sure you've connected and plugged in everything they said yeah i've plugged in everything i said well can you just double check because you know um, the, the computer's dead here then the person said to me well just hang on i've got to crawl over the desk I'm like, why are you crawling over the desk? Oh, I've got to open up the curtain. Our building's got a power failure. Uh, so straight away, I, I've, well, I can't do anything until you have power. When you have power, call me instead of trying to fix stuff. And that's, again, asking the customer because the customer will say, well, it's not being fixed, but he won't tell you he's got no power because he, he, he doesn't know. Oh, so yeah. it's asking the right, it's asking the right question. It's just running on batteries. Yes, it's just, it just runs on batteries, you know. Uh, I mean, I've had someone set up, again, a printer. So the printer set it up exactly how it's set on the box, on the picture. And sure enough, he had done that, but he hadn't plugged anything in. And I said, there's a plug in. Said, yep, but did you plug anything into the wall? No, it didn't tell me to plug anything into the wall. Oh, well, you have to plug it in to get power. Oh, it's not printing now. Did you put paper in the printer? No, and then you know so these are things that you you and i laugh at but trust yeah. me this is what people think and they think yeah this is this sucks yeah. this printer doesn't work and, and it's so true like you bring up a really good point that everybody is on a different stage in their trajectory of understanding of it some people are really good some people are okay and some people have still have no idea correct and and it's being patient with, with those people so because it'll come across in your voice say, okay no yeah. worries that's happened to me Go and yeah. grab some paper, put some paper in. Okay, open the tray. This is what you do. Okay, all right, let's try it now. Oh, now it's printing. They'll think you're yeah. the best thing, you know, next to sliced bread. because of how you handle it. Yeah. Correct. It's how you handle it. And that will also go a long way 
to improving your SLA. Yep, great. You know, so if you've got a happy customer, you know, that's really important. So again, SLAs um, or the management side, you know, the, the, your manager has to account for those metrics. He's got to meet a certain target or he gets into trouble. And of course, if he gets into trouble, you're going to get into trouble. And you can say, well, I don't like this job. This job sucks. I'm going to leave. Yeah. And then you you find, and then you say, well, this company sucks. It's not the company, you know. Um, I mean, some companies, the, the uh, people tend to um, manage by fear. There's a toxic environment. But again, at the end of the day, like I say, every company is different. You as an individual need to say, okay, how can I fix this? What's the best thing? Okay, it's not personal, you know? So having a better understanding. Again, your manager will also start to realize, oh, you know, these people are starting to do a good job. And then you'll start building respect all around. But when everybody likes to point fingers, it, it, it just doesn't achieve anything. And that happens when SLAs are being missed. That's what happens when a person doesn't want to answer the phone. Or people say, well, I'm getting on my phone break. Yeah. And, and that's fine. But he was just on a break. So maybe he's taking another break because he's getting stressed out. So then, you know, that puts more stress on the guy next to you or the lady next to you. Then they're like, well, why am I doing his job? Right. You know, so you have all this stuff. And all of this does not help your SLA. Yeah. And this is where your manager who is managing that in, that team needs to understand what is the client's expectations. Okay, my team are have not met any SLAs. I'm getting it from up here management don't understand me they have no idea where, where i'm coming from okay stop right there and okay well let's have a look and see what's going on is why are we not meeting isolates is it the way i'm talking to my team you know if you a kind word and a thank you a long, a long way yep. than an accusation and uh get your get your job done while you're late absolutely you know so getting down and understanding your team, get to know your team and say, okay, well, yeah, we're not meeting ISLAs because I've got Jane doing X and I've got Stephen doing B. Let's swap them over and see how things work. And right. some people say, well, but I, I don't want to swap. I like doing this. I'm, I'm comfortable in this. So that means I've got to learn something new. Well, this is IT. You know, the old <laughs> managers, we're moving you because it's going to better help the team grow. And you can either be a team player or you can head out the door. Definitely. It's as simple as that. So you also need to know when to say enough is enough because some people will take advantage of kindness. Um, but again, all of this does have an impact on that SLA. Again, finding out what tools can you use to help the customer? Are you allowed to use TeamViewer? No. Well, can you use any desk? You know, there's a lot of other tools out there. What tools do we have in Jira or... Um, SysAid or Manage Engine to help us manage those uh, those uh, tickets. Who do we assign those tickets to? And that, and that would be your team leader. Your team leader will say, okay, well, I'm going to assign tickets and priority queue to this person, and the next one will go to this person. So again, you may have a team where they can go and select tickets yeah. and get them done. You'll be surprised how many people. When you start having that, you'll also be surprised how many people go and do all the easy tickets. Yeah, because I can. I've done my ten tickets. I'm I'm, yeah. I'm really cool, and it looks good on the metrics because hey, I've closed right. all these tickets. I'm so uh, you know I'm so great. Yeah. But then if you dig a bit deeper, you'll find okay, well, you know he's he or she's not doing. You know they they're grabbing all of the tickets. It's not fair to put that load on. So yeah. managing as a as a 
a, a, a team leader or a manager that's managing that SLA, understanding which ticket goes to which team, you know, um, again, saying to the guys, okay, you need to close X amount of tickets. And they can do that, you know, being uh, within their expectations, sit down with each person. How many tickets can you close a day? What issues are you having with the ticketing system? You know, getting to know your team, getting to know how they work will improve your SLA right from the ground up. And I've proven that many times in organizations that have had problems with SLAs or engineers that are getting frustrated in their job because uh, for one reason or another reason, getting, getting them to understand where management is coming from, getting them to understand what your skill sets are and how you can better become an asset instead of a liability. Because some people you know, will just come to work, a job's a job, and I really don't care. I've done my tickets, I'm going home. And you know, again, and you're, only, having, you're only defeating yourself if you do that. I mean, you know, you'll you be surprised how, how many people uh, do that. I mean, I've got some people that I work with. I know exactly when it's four o'clock and four thirty because that's the time they leave. I don't even need to look at my watch. I just have to look <laughs> over there. I know exactly what. Like the looking time. at the sun. Oh, yeah. Okay. And 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 that's how some people are. Yeah. But like I say, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, going back to what you were saying with uh, your service level agreements, make sure that you've got. Uh, a good knowledge and you don't create a flawed agreement. Make sure that you sit down with your customer and understand what's required. Make sure you sit down with your team once a week. Hey guys, we've got a team meeting for five minutes before you get on the desk. We're going to discuss what tickets are outstanding. We're going to discuss what problems you face, what, you know, what were your issues and how we can work to resolve them. This happened you know, last week. Let's chat about why this might have happened. So we, Correct. And, yeah. and what can we do to resolve this? Okay, we don't have the time to fix it. Okay, well, what we're going to do is we'll give you a little bit of slack and we'll let you go and upskill and learn that. And nice. then we'll do that with the next person. You do it in little chunks. So understanding your team, understanding where they're falling over is going to help you achieve your SLA. Blaming your team. Is going to do nothing. If anything, it's going to get their backs up. Definitely. And then, of course, the management will say, well, what's going on? And then you have this high uh, retention where people are leaving left, right, and center. Sure. And you say, well, you've only been here three months or six months and, and you've left. Yeah. Well, have a look at your manager. That's what I would say. And then have a look at the people that you've got on your team and, you know, get have functions where you say, right, um, you know, organize it we can say to another team okay i need you to just handle these slas just for today i've got a team function with my team we're gonna do some building team building hey guys we're gonna go and have some lunch and we're gonna go and to the beach and we're gonna just sit and chat and how can we do this let me tell you that will make such a big difference yeah i mean i worked with a team that had to support some really important slas and they were missing stuff and it was getting toxic and i, and I said right I said to manager this is what we need to do we took the guys down to the beach <laughs> Grab your surfboard. We're getting there for the day, everyone. We're going to have some fun. Right. And right, have a you know barbecue. Right, guys, what are the issues you're facing? Okay, I'm and then you'll be surprised what comes out that yeah. they don't say on, on the desk. That's okay, right. no worries. We'll have a look at that. That team went back to work the next day, and they were different people. And they started hitting stuff like they, they, they never hit before. Brilliant. That's because you've built that relationship. You've taken the time to understand where they're coming from. And they also realize, okay, so... Yeah, Darren's not being such a, a whatever, you know. Yeah. I know why he's shouting it. Why. Because, so, okay, so this is where it's coming from. Yeah. 
identifying where your people are weak and how can I help you? Sometimes people must say the, the SLA is because they're having issues at home or they're having personal issues. Say to them, okay, well, what can I do to help you? How can I help you? You know, treat them like human beings. And let me tell you, it works every single time. And not only that, your the only time they'll leave your team is if they want to upskill and go, you know, improve their own abilities and go to the next level. Yes. You won't have them, well, I'm leaving because it sucks. And now all of a sudden you're trying to find people to fill that spot because the moment that person's gone, you know, has an impact on everybody else. So again, it's it's a balancing act, finding out, getting to know your team, supporting them. Again, the best thing I've also found that goes a long way is go to your team, buy pizza for them and say, there's nothing wrong. I just want to say thank you for doing a good job. What is 10 bucks or, or 50 bucks or 100 bucks on pizza? It's nothing. Give it to your team and say, hey, guys, pizza's on me. I just want to say, I know times are stressful. I know you guys work hard. I know sometimes you don't see eye to eye, but I do appreciate what you do. Um, Enjoy. A little can gesture you? like that can go 100 miles. Absolutely. Miles. Incredible. Absolutely. And it, it doesn't cost the company a lot of money. Yeah, and their perspective will change straight away. Definitely. So you know, that, that, that's how I deal with people anyway. I love it. <laughs> you got pizza on your speed dial. <laughs> yeah. There we go. There's some pizza, guys. Well done. Thank you. Love At it. the same time, you know, people are not cutting it. Then you need to say, okay, thank you for your service and wish you the best in the future and, and goodbye. Yeah. You know, you can't carry people that don't want to learn. You know, there's an old saying, you can take a horse to water, but you can't force it to drink. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so, uh, so yeah, you, you, uh, you know, and I've learned this all the hard way, trust me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Ryan, I just want to revisit two, those two little tools that you mentioned at the beginning. Um, yes. For Just before we spoke about Google, there were two little tools. And I just want to give everybody um, the names of those tools again. Okay, some of those uh, <laughs> tools that, that, that you can use to, to help you is IP Scanner. That's the one. And IP Scanner allows you to scan for IP addresses. Uh -huh. So, you know, you may be, your customer may say, well, I've set up a printer, but the printer's not working. Well, what is a printer's IP address? What is your IP address? Using some command line prompt, you know, open up a command line or CMD prompt on your Windows machine, learning to run some of the IP config uh, commands will, will help you tremendously, you know, running Netstat, how do you know when the hops are happening? So you can see where the internet's falling. The hops for example, allow you to see what device has been connected to the internet. So if you have an internet issue, you can say, okay, well, I'm getting out of my office, but now when I hit, say, Telstra, it's falling over. Okay, we've got a Telstra issue. It's okay. not you, it's Telstra. Telstra are down. Okay. So again, I'll cover uh, another little class where we will actually do some of this live. Right. Oh, and you can actually see this working in a real environment so that like Darren has just said earlier on, a video is worth a thousand words. Yeah. So having a base knowledge of how to run some of the IP config commands, you'll be surprised how many people can ping an IP config. Well, what about path ping, trace it? You know, all of these will, will help you. All these simple commands will help you to identify network issues. Um, again, what tools, your company may have certain tools that you can run automatically. But if you're running Windows, you will be able to run a, uh, and you can open up a command prompt. There's a lot of things that you can run 
and you can see where the issue is and you can say, look, I've tried when, so when you escalate it, you can say, person's got no internet. I've tried this. I've tried that. Yeah. Then, you know, I think it could be Telstra, but can you have a look again, using tools like Google going out to say, for example, customer phones you in, uh, I don't know, Sydney and says, ah, oh, my internet sucks. I've got no internet. Well, find out first of all, say, well, who are you with? Oh, I'm with Telstra. Well, go out and type in Telstra Sydney outage. Yeah. It'll tell you if there's an outage in that area. You can say, yeah, there's an outage in that area. Yeah, uh, the ISP guys, are, you know, Telstra are working on it. Or if there is no outage, then you can, you know, try a few other uh, tool, a few other commands. If that's not working, then you escalate and say, look, okay, I'm going to pass it on to the next engineer because I don't have the privileges to run these certain tools. So what I'm hearing is it's thinking laterally, thinking outside the box, not always just thinking in terms of, that's the process, step A, step B, step C. Correct. Think this way as well. And if you're getting flustered and you're getting really under pressure, stop for two minutes, yeah. breathe. Take a few breaths, yeah. Step back and things will make yeah. a lot more sense. There's nothing worse than trying to fix something under pressure yeah. and you are nervous and you'll make mistakes and sometimes you could cause more harm than good. So again, if you're not 100% sure, turn to the person next to you, help. Yeah. If they don't want to help, turn to the next person, help. If they don't want help, go to your manager and say help. Or if you've got permissions to an email address or a thing where you can escalate it, document as much as you can. Like Darren said, document this person. Write down exactly what you've done and send it. So when the guy opens that up, he can say, okay, you've tried ping. You've tested Telstra for an outage. Okay, there must be something else wrong. Yeah. Don't just say, oh, I've got no internet. Because the guy thinks, well, why didn't you fix it? Well, he's got no internet. And now you spend 20 minutes explaining to the guy why he's got no internet. Where if you put it into that little checkbox or little toolbox why there was no internet or put a little note to it the person knows exactly and he doesn't he won't call you he can get onto the issue and resolve it straight away because he's got an understanding of what it is they'll call you because they don't understand what it is you've written or you know so at the end of the day being clear and concise in your documentation is probably the most crucial part of an sla part of a, a service desk again like I say, running certain tools will help you. And you'll be surprised. Some of the help desk tools uh, have tools that help you to do your job. SysAid and Jira and other stuff will ha have stuff that will help you better to resolve your, your tickets at the, at the end of the day. But what other tools do you use? Because you'll find a help desk will have a wide range of tools. Not only will they have their ticketing system, but you know, some of them might have TeamViewer or I don't know, AnyDesk, or they'll have IP scanner or some yeah. other tools. I can and, imagine there'd be so many integrations as well these days. Correct. So understanding what it is, but the key again to resolving stuff the first time is understanding what the issue is. Ask your customer or client for as much information. Customers, I've already spoken to someone else. Okay, who did you speak to? What was their name? Okay, I know you've spoken to them, but just bear with me. Can you explain it one more time to me? And, you know, yep. so that I've got it right. And then read it back to them. Are you sure this is what you're talking about? Yes. Yep. And you made, you made a really good point as well, is try and understand your customer's environment to the best of your ability before you even start, because that Correct. can help you a lot. I mean, absolutely. Understanding also with your team, you may have a person next to you that's good at networking. Hey, Jane, 
you're the networking person in our team. I'm passing this on to you. And Jane said, hey, Ryan, you're the active directory person. I'm passing this ticket on to you. (laughs) You And that's what makes the a good team but also more importantly going right back to our beginning of our uh, of this conversation it's meeting those slas so that we don't get penalized for them understanding why we have those slas why we can't spend 10 minutes on the phone with someone you know why we when do we need to push stuff up you know why do we need to push stuff up you know at the end of the day you want to try to meet your customers uh, all their obligations and bear in mind, you know, when you have SLAs that are missed or if a company has a server down, it's a consequence for them. For example, um, our email server went down. Now, if I didn't have a backup server or multiple exchange servers, that would be a problem. But again, having exchange servers on-prem, I don't have that anymore. I've moved them all into cloud to 365 because sometimes those servers may fall over, they get a corruption in the database, the email gets corrupted. So email's down for 10 minutes for the whole company, right from the directors down to the very junior levels. Nobody can do their work. A company runs on email. The internet can be down, they'll live with it. Take their email away or they've got no (laughs) email. True. World War III will happen, (laughs) you know? I mean, um, again, you know, being smart. Okay, well, our internet's done. Okay, can, uh, and I can't get my email. And I really need this email. Okay, have you got a mobile phone with you? Yes, okay. Let me talk you how to hotspot your mobile phone to your laptop. Nice. So yeah. you can get your email. It's not the best solution, but at least I can get your email working for you now. That's, that's thinking like you fix, yeah, I love it. Until we fix the issue. So it's thinking differently as yeah. well. But again, I suppose that comes with experience and time. And like I say, your podcasts are doing an amazing job. The speakers you've had on, have all been absolutely fantastic. Uh, and that's lacking in the industry. So what you are doing is absolutely brilliant. I mean, like I say, the speakers you have on are passing on so much valuable information. I don't know where you find them, but they are just, <laughs> it's just brilliant. Uh, thank you, Ryan. Um, I really appreciate that. And you've been absolutely amazing yourself. <laughs> oh, absolutely you. amazing. It's been an incredible episode. We've gone really deep. And, you know, I think we've really tackled some information and uncovered some information and insight that's going to be valuable to engineers of all levels, team leaders, um, service desk managers. You know, they can definitely get some insight from everything you've learned over the years. And, you know, you're actively in the trenches every day, you know, fighting the fight. (laughs) (laughs) Fighting the fight. Let me to find another day. Sometimes you think, oh, my word, I just want to go home. I'm just tired. I just want to sleep. Absolutely. But I also wanted just to give everybody a bit of an insight into some of your courses because Ryan does an incredible amount of, he has an incredible amount of online um, Azure training and other training. So maybe tell us a bit about that. Correct. I mean, I've created some courses on Udemy. Uh, They're all free on how to get up and running with Azure. Uh, how to deploy an Azure virtual desktop environment. And I've just finished one uh, during the weekend, how to run Apple Mac OS on a virtual machine in Azure. And the reason I did that was, a well, A, to see if I could, could do it, but more importantly, <laughs> um, not everybody can afford to go and buy a Mac. A yeah. Mac's very expensive. Now you can get the Mac software for free, 
So at least you can run a virtual Mac and learn how to drive Mac because you may one day need to support Apple Mac. So how can you do that without accessing a Mac? How often do we access Macs? Um, normally Macs are used by uh, designers and uh, people that do graphic design and probably uh, SolidWorks and CAD design because Macs are a lot more powerful. But again, PCs are powerful. So I also have a, a YouTube channel as well where I've got a lot of stuff on, on Azure. Someone um, that I just trained uh, during the week, I trained a group of people in the United States on uh, Azure Virtual Desktop nice. and um, how to set it up from scratch. And we had Azure Virtual Desktop up and running in about 45 minutes. Wow. And they went on to courses and after three days, they were still struggling how to do stuff. The guy said to me, I, I didn't realize it was this easy. So I said, again, it just probably goes back to who's teaching you. I'm also going to be later on in the year doing some uh, little sh uh, short courses on uh, Windows Server, Windows 11, as well as uh, getting up and running with Cisco, how to configure Cisco router, you know, right. the basic stuff that people need to know, but real short videos. Some of the videos are only five minutes. Some of them are like the course, maybe say an hour, but each video is five or 10 minutes. I mean, the Azure virtual desktop courses, uh, it's, you know, 38 minutes long and the videos are broken down in little section, uh, little sections. So is the Azure real world hands-on training where you can learn how to set up your Azure uh, environment for the very first time, deploy a virtual machine and create a little budget so you don't overspend. And you can do that all in less than an hour. So I've got a, a, a lot of uh, links. I'll just, um, I, I've given them to Darren. Darren can I'll, share. I'll make sure that I put them in the notes for the podcast. Yeah, so everybody can check those out and you can jump to all these amazing courses that Ryan has to offer, plus his YouTube channel and everything that you, know, you can uh, find. And I also do a lot of uh, training as well uh, via Zoom Live uh, as well. Again, all my training is free. All it's going to cost you is your time. Wow. And, you know, I've, I have a passion of trying to get more women into IT. And uh, in between last year and now, I've trained over 150 ladies in Azure. They've all passed the AZ-900 certification on their wow. first attempt. And 98% of them are all working in IT. Some of them are supporting Azure. Well done. Three of them that are gone into AWS. Oh, there you go. And, um, <laughs> Well, These are people that uh, most of the ladies that I've trained have had a very limited knowledge in uh, computing. In some cases, I've had about 35 of those ladies that were cashiers. They worked at the supermarket packing shelves. Some of them were, you know, driving a forklift. You know, they wanted to earn more money and get into the industry. Okay. So that, you know, I have a really strong passion of trying to help women into IT, but, but not just women, you know, I've helped a lot of people, men, I've trained probably thousands of people in my career. So again, you know, if I can get a group of five or 10 people together and they want to learn a certain topic, I'm more than happy to work out a schedule and, you know, we can do some training. Again, it's up to you at the end of the day, but yeah, like I say, if I, I don't know everything, I know people that are security specialists. I know people that are forensic specialists, if you want to go down that road. Um, some uh, technologies I drive, some technologies I don't drive. 
but yeah, go and have a look at my courses. If you want to learn cloud computing, you can get up and running within an hour. Amazing, amazing. And obviously you're very active on LinkedIn as well. So feel free to connect with Ryan on LinkedIn. Um, he's, uh, you know, we're always sharing a lot of great stuff on LinkedIn. Do you have a website set up for your own training or not? No, I, I, you know, I don't have a, a website uh, set up at, at the moment. Like I said, initially when I started this, I've only been on LinkedIn less than two years, believe huh. it or not. Huh. And in that two years, I'm now on 23,600 followers. <laughs> and I've had on my um, Azure Real World training course uh, in Udemy, I have uh, now 5,600 students that have downloaded the training on the Azure virtual desktop uh, that's just gone live. Uh, it's close to 700 people have downloaded the course. Okay. And on the... Um, one with Apple Mac, three and a half thousand people have downloaded the course. Well, that's, in a very, that's in a very short period of time. That's right. That just goes like to a few days. The, demand, the demand worldwide. <laughs> My God. And um, so literally I have, like I say, thousands of people uh, learning stuff that I've done. And I'm very grateful and I'm so wow. privileged to be able to share knowledge and the support that I get from people on LinkedIn has been phenomenal. None of this would have been possible without my connections on LinkedIn yep. and the support from various, various people. And I have to give a huge shout out to Vanessa Sorison at Microsoft. She's been amazing in supporting the yep. ladies. The same with Shiva Ford in Australia at Microsoft. Elizabeth uh, Papalandro at Microsoft in Australia yes. has been absolutely amazing. So those are women that are working in IT and supporting other women. So okay. again, another good place to uh, learn stuff if you're an IT graduate is another good company I want to give a shout out to, which is in Australia, it's probably one of the best companies out there in training uh, that do hands-on training on like Windows and servers and stuff is TechSkills. They have a good um, school. So definitely Fasana and Barrage uh, will give those students some hands-on that they need. You know, they pull computers apart and they put them together. Mm -hmm. Big shout-outs. They're, they're great. They're great. That, that's what they can. And again, I'd like I say, thank you. I mean, your uh, podcast for me as an IT manager and as an IT engineer has been absolutely pure gold because the stuff that you have shared, the speakers you have had on have just nailed it every time. And that's what's needed in the industry. You know, we need a wide range of uh, skill sets, but more importantly, we need people passing on the right information. So really you, appreciate you that. are doing yeah. an amazing job. So thank, thank you. you. And of course, thank everyone for, for watching. They're probably going, oh, boy. This has been absolutely way beyond my expectations. You. You've delivered such gold here today. I really appreciate it. I think, you know, and I want to really thank you from the bottom of my heart and also from all the from the perspective of the audience and the community and anyone who's going to watch this video or listen to this podcast. Ryan is so passionate about what he does. He's extremely knowledgeable. He's obviously a very, very good trainer because the results he's got in a very short period of time are outstanding. And uh, you know, kudos to you because you've done a great job and you know your passion to give back to the industry. Um, worldwide is second to none. So 
Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone. Uh, I really appreciate it. And again, thank you, Darren. And like I said, I look forward to doing more. more pleasure. And we'll be back. We're going to be back. This was only number one. We've got loads of great uh, episodes to do. And of course, write us if you want a particular um, advance in a particular area. Just let us know what you're interested in. And we'll try and put another show together that's going to meet those re those expectations for you. I mean, absolutely. Like I say, you know, Darren, if you if your view, viewers or audience want to do something live, yep. let us know. And we'll do it together. We'll make a good team. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Ryan, thanks again. Really appreciate it. All the way yeah, from New Zealand. Um, anything you want to leave us with? Any last words? Um, no, the only thing I want to say, you know, like I say, we all fail. But remember, you know, it's not the end of the world. You know, we just pick ourselves up and we start again. Your attitude is important because your attitude will dictate how you do things. You can't control any other person's attitude, but you can control your own. Definitely. So, you know, if you have a, a good attitude, things will happen. You know, they don't happen overnight. You know, keep studying, keep learning, ask a lot of questions, be inquisitive. And one step forward, you know, sometimes you may go back two or three steps. But again, keep moving forward, you know, keep getting up and keep grinding away. And I have an old saying, the more you grind, the more you shine and you'll be, oh, I like that. You, you know, you, you'll get there. We all get there. I like and that. I I've never heard that one. I like that. <laughs> the more you grind, the more you shine. I love that. That's great. <laughs> Excellent. Well done. Well, everybody, really appreciate you joining us. Yep. Hope you've enjoyed that as much as I did. I've learned a hell of a lot. Thank you. Thank you so much. Ryan, Thanks, really everyone. Appreciate it. I'm going to put all the links to, in the show notes and everything that you might need and as resources from the episode. So check them out. And uh, we'll see you very, very soon for our next tech episode. Bye for now. Bye for now. Thanks again for joining me for another episode of Saul Searching, the Saul Recruitment Podcast. If you'd like to join me as a guest on the show, I would be delighted to collaborate feel free to buzz me on 0414-659-800 or email me on darren at saulrecruitment.com.au. I'm always on the lookout for great guests who can share their stories and expertise with my community. But for now though, have a fantastic day and I'll see you next time.